Even if you did have a lot of time, still grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 148. And we are going to see some points of praise. We told you that this psalm uh, is very straightforward. It's very basic, and it is. Remember, if you would, there are how many sentences? Nine sentences. Very good. Someone's going to count, probably come up with ten. I thought we counted a few times and got with nine sentences. Anyway, one very long sentence there somewhere in the middle, but nine sentences. And in nine sentences, we are told... How many times? All right. There is one other extra time where praise is used, but it's not talking about us praising. It's talking about something praising. So, yes, there would be... On a technicality, I guess. On a technicality, but an incorrect technicality. Twelve times we or individuals are encouraged. Thank you very much. In this matter of... In this matter of praise and giving praise to God. So you better get the message of this psalm. And if, if uh, nothing else, uh, get the message that we are to be involved in this matter of praise. And uh, so let's see. We learn the practice of praise. Uh, we learn the places of praise, which is interesting. Above the earth, in heaven, and in the, the heavens. Uh, and then below the earth, we're told to praise the Lord. Remember, if you would, uh, we found that in um, all the deeps in verse 7. And then we were told on the earth, verse 7 and on through verse 12, all the be all beings and all creatures, uh, all um, uh, even the things that act according to the, uh, the word of God, fire and hail and snow and vapor, everything is to praise God. Now, uh, the participants, then, his beings, his creation, his creatures, and we would be in his creatures, okay, uh, if you would. Now, let's look at the points of praise. What are the things that God tells us, and what are the points he makes that remind us that God is worthy of praise? Now, again, we can make our own list, and I'm not uh, trying to deny you that right, but we want to look at our passage and we want to learn the different areas where God brings out the fact uh, that there's a reason to praise God. For example, in verse 5, he talks about the heavens in verse 4 and the waters that are above the heavens. They're to praise the name of the Lord. All right, why? Okay, because he is their creator. Uh, and that is going to be that is going to be the first point that we're going to uh, mention. In fact, that is the first point, his creation. So why should we be involved in this matter of praise? Well, again, we could look at the Psalms. We could just talk from personal experience. But in our passage, specifically, the, the different things that are to praise God, the heavens and the waters that are under it and the stars uh, and the sun and the moon, these things are to praise God because they were created by God, his creation. Um, they owe their existence they owe their purpose to God. Uh, they've been given a job. They've been given a task to do. And by the way, they do it because God gives them the ability to do it. And so these things should praise God. But the truth is we should as well. You know what kind of shape we would be in if the sun were just a little bit further from the earth? Or if the sun was a little bit closer to the earth? Um, these things are, you, you know, we don't really think about that all that much, but they make a huge difference. The earth would be way too cold for life uh, if it was further. If it was closer, the earth would be too hot for, for life. 
And all these things were controlled by and are controlled by and designed by the hand of, a, of an amazing God who sees to it that there's, there's warm weather sometimes in January, which is nice, isn't it? You don't usually have this kind of weather in January. Uh, and he sees to it that we have, we have light um, and we have seasons. And all these things were by the design of God. We ought praise him for that very fact. Without God, there would be none. There would be no stars. So says the Bible. You can take time to look in Genesis chapter 1, uh, and specifically in verses 14 to 19, where we have God uh, placing the stars where he did and giving them their, if you would, their course, where uh, they, they travel and, and their orbits and other things like that, all controlled by the mighty hand of God. And by the way, even uh, things that have been discovered, like, like comets, those things are all designed by the hand of God and placed where they were. Uh, in fact, I, I just read an article uh, about the, uh, the hail, they call it the hail bop, B-O-P-P, I think it is, a comet that passed the closest to this earth back in 1997. And guess who was one of the discoverers, discoverers of that? Yeah, Mr. Bob. There you go. Thank you very much. God, that wasn't really all that tough, right? Mr. Hale and Mr. Bob. Tom Bob, by the way, um, talked about it. In fact, um, wrote, it's kind of interesting because he put on the internet what happened and how it came to be that he found this comet and was the discoverer, because you don't get your name on a comet unless you're the discoverer of it, unless you unless you pay to have a star named after you and the registry. Okay, you, you've heard about those things and ads and things like that, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, so he discovered this, and he actually wrote in uh, his, his note, he said, the, the moment uh, Jim, his friend, said we might have something, because they saw this, uh, just a little light and a glow where they were looking in the sky, excitement began to grow. And he said this, I breathed a silent prayer, thanking God for his wondrous creation. Because he was of the understanding, even though he studied the stars, and many are not saved who do that, uh, he understood that there is a God who is indeed uh, designing the stars and, and putting the stars in and even, if you would, the comets in their place and causing them to do what they do. Uh, we, have, we serve an amazing, amazing God. And may we rejoice in him. Notice verse 6 as he continues. Uh, not only did he create them, but we just kind of mentioned this. He also, also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Say, well, what is he talking about in verse 6? And what does the psalmist understand? Well, you know, they didn't have the scientific knowledge we have today, which is interesting because there's a lot of scientists that don't have scientific knowledge. At least when you look at uh, the scientific theory, they don't even follow it when it comes to the formation of this world. They ignore it. It's an amazing thing that the laws of the universe, which say that, uh, that, um, Really, there needed to be a creator. There has to be a designer. Uh, they absolutely, positively deny, at least the number two. But in verse 6, we're told that God has established them forever. What does he establish? He established the sun where it is. He established the moon and gave it its course. He established the stars, and he put them in their, in their places. And 
He has given a law and a statute which they cannot pass. They can't leave their place. Now, aren't you glad about that? You, you say, well, it's, it's not a big deal. But, you know, we, we, have, we have GPS today. I know that. But do you realize for thousands of years, for thousands of years, since the beginning, pretty much the beginning of time, men have been able to navigate by the stars. They've been able to, to, to uh, follow them because they've been in the same place in the, in the sky so that men can. And you can see constellations. Why can you see them? Let me tell you why. Because God gave them a, a, a place. God gave them, uh, um, in, in some cases, an orbit that they can't go out of. That God is indeed in control of these things. And God should be praised. I, you, you think about the billions of, millions and billions, multiply billions of stars. And the fact that God has each one in its place. Uh, is, is truly an amazing thing. One writer said this. He has given a law or statute which they cannot pass. The word rendered decree here seems to be used in the sense of limit or bound. And the idea is that he's bound them by a fixed law. He has established laws which they are compelled to observe. The fact is, in regard to them, that he has established great laws, such as the law of gravitation, by which they are held from flying off. He has marked out orbits in which they move. He has so bound them that they perform their revolutions with unerring accuracy in the very path which he has prescribed. So accurate are their movements that they can be predicted with exact precision and so uniform that any succession of ages does not vary or affect them. It's an amazing thing. And God is in control of those things. What an amazing God. Look, if you would, in verse 8, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind. Now, you can say, oh, those are all haphazard things. You know, I mean, right, right. The fact that we never get snow and it always goes north or south of us. At least it seems like that most of the time. Uh, what a ripoff, isn't it? Okay, but those things. No, you're saying, Great! It always, always has to go up further north of Nashville and just, just south of us or whatever. Uh, but the fact of the matter is those things are designed by God. Look what it says. Fulfilling his word. Uh, God has, God tells him where to go. Uh, isn't it amazing how... Um, we, we were in uh, Florida. I'm trying to think of the name of that hurricane. Uh, the last, uh, oh, the hur hurricane that came through right in the area we were at. Um, you, you know, it changed course uh, numerous times as far as where exactly would would hit. Um, man has no idea where it's going. Oh, he has general idea, but there's times where they're totally off. You know that, right? Oh, we're going to get a lot of rain today. Sunshine. Won't get a drop of rain today. You know, that's when you carry your umbrella because man has no idea where it's going in the sense that he can't predict with any real accuracy. I mean, this is the weather last night is not right for today. And yet God 
tells it where to go. So if you wanted to know and, and God were to speak to you, he could tell you exactly where the storm's going. He knows that. Do you marvel that? Wind, where it's going to blow. The Bible says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. As if, you know, it's uncontrolled, but God knows where it's going. He controls that. We serve an amazing God. And these Psalms are just constant reminders that um, he is far greater than you and I can explain or imagine or understand. I, I mean, we haven't, for years now, we don't have any control over, over storms. You know, well, uh, there's a good chance of tornadoes. Don't know where they're going to where they're going to form. We don't know when. We don't know what their damage they're going to do. And God's in control of all that. Amazing thing. Um, we prepare for storms. We protect ourselves in them because we have no way of controlling the damage. But God is indeed in control. Look, if you would, at verse 13, where we have another. Now, he give, goes through a list in the verses that follow that um, about who is supposed to and what is supposed to praise God. But verse 13 says, let them praise the name of the Lord. So not only do we praise his creation, a point, not only do we praise his power, but we should praise his name. There is only one God, and his name is above every name. Buddha doesn't come close. Muhammad doesn't come close. Uh, Allah is not the God of the Bible, and his name does not compare to the God of heaven and earth. Uh, the Lord, he is the God. There's only one God. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The writer of the Psalms often talked about the name of the Lord, the power of it, the majesty of it, just his name. We're not talking about what he does. We're talking about his name. His name is a powerful name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Do you know, it, it, there is power in his name. The idea seems to be in Philippians 2, that when his name is said in that judgment day, that everyone will, everyone's knee will bow before him. And they will acknowledge whether they want to or not that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father because his name is a powerful name. You know, you say, explain that. I can't. Except that I think I'm going to understand that more completely when I stand in his presence and I see the mighty God that he is. And I'm awed by, I will be awed by his name. You know, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints had a great appreciation for his name. The writers of the Old Testament and those who penned scripture had a great appreciation for the name of God. They tell us that they would take a different pen every time they wrote Jah, Jehovah, and they would discard it after they were done because that name was so special and sacred. Do you know how many times you find Jehovah? In the Old Testament, how many times God's name is used, and yet every time we use only this pen one time to write his name. Because his name is above every name. What a, what a God we serve. So his name should be praised. 
his grandeur. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent and his glory is above the earth and heaven. His grandeur, his honor, his beauty, his excellency, his majesty is above anyone or anything in the universe. There's nothing, there is no one as grand as God. So praise him. Look in verse 14. He exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints. And I'll just stop right there for a moment because Psalm 149, as we start to dig into it, is going to talk to us, actually talk to Israelites, but in essence talk to us because the same thing that Israelites could say about their relationship with God, Christians can say about their relationship with God. And there is a wonderful parallel in Psalm 149 where we talk about individuals and why they should praise God. But verse 14 kind of gets us ready for Psalm 149 because it reminds us that, that God exalts the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints. He is the praise because he has blessed. I put his blessing. God has been mindful of his own, even though they're far below him even though they're unworthy of the honor he has given. In fact, uh, didn't, didn't God say that about the children of Israel? Look, I didn't choose you because you were most in number. I didn't choose you because you're the greatest people. You were nothing. I chose you because I chose you. And that's, in essence, what he's saying in verse 14. You know, the psalmist put it well. What is man that thou art mindful of him? When I consider the heavens, the work of my fingers, the moon, and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Why would God visit mankind? Why would God send his, his son? Why would God care about dust? Because that's where we are. You're just, you're just dust. We're nothing. We're as a drop in the bucket. I, I mean, so many different ways scriptures describe men as unimportant, insignificant. And yet, God has given man great significance and done so much for him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. That's when he says he's exalted the horn of his people, it means he's given them, his children, power and prosperity that they would not have known without his hand. Let me tell you something, believer. Um, the, the prosperity that you have seen in life is due to the hand of God, and you very well might not have ever seen it, apart from the fact that he cares for his own. Isn't? So praise him. The, the point is not, wow, think about this. The point is, think about this and then praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise him. Praise the Lord. He certainly is worthy. We're told in Psalm, one, in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. The amazing thing that God 
would not only acknowledge us, not only exalt the horn of his people, that God would, would lift them up and give them a name and power and prosperity. But notice when he says this, even the, of the children of Israel, and I love that this next phrase. What does he say at the end of, toward the end of verse 14? Even the children of Israel, what, what goes after that? A people to whom he was near. Um, the fact that you and I just talked to your creator of the universe about 15 minutes ago. Do, do you find that an awesome thought? That God let you talk to him. Try calling the president and getting his, his ear. But God just let you talk to him. And he listened. And he cares. And if you'll let him, because his spirit does this, his spirit will talk to you. And I'm not talking about those voices that some strange people are, but I'm talking about the fact that God does communicate with his own because God's near his own. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble and quite honestly, all the time. So, awe in God's honor and God's grace and God's nearness, but praise him. Because just after sharing these truths, he closes as he began and as he stated 12 times. Praise ye the Lord. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We serve a wonderful, gracious God. Praise him. Father, thanks for the privilege and opportunity we've had in this psalm to once again think about uh, subjects that have been repeated over and over and over in the Psalms. Uh, yet, Father, we make no apology for saying them again because the psalmist took time over and over again to remind us that you're the great creator, that you care for your children, that you are near your children, that you remind us in this uh, psalm that you control the weather. You tell it where to go. You remind us, Father, that your name is an excellent name and your glory above all else. And Father, we need to be people who praise. And I ask you to stir us from the psalm that we've had an opportunity to look at again this evening. Stir us to be people who don't just appreciate what you've done, but who praise you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you as you praise him. Hallelujah.